You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. At the end of March 2020, as a number of positive SARS coronavirus 2 cases continue to grow exponentially toward million people, Dr. Rebecca Lawrence, an addiction psychiatrist in Edinburgh, Scotland, revealed on her Twitter's feed, this is what she said, I'm going to say something unpopular. I wish I wasn't a doctor. I wish I wasn't terrified at what I may be asked to do. I wish I could self-isolate. Sorry. Those were her heartfelt words, and gosh, I truly empathize with her. Doctors and healthcare providers are human too. As healthcare workers, we all have a burning desire to help as many as we can during this worldwide pandemic crisis. You know, I'm taking calls from my patients in the middle of the night as well as during my days off. But we all suffer also from fear and anxiety, as everyone else. Although we might not show it, We don't want to share it. We are taught to stay focused, ready for the next fire to put out. Today on Wellness for Life, we have Dr. Greg Hammer, MD. He's a pediatric intensive care physician, pediatric anesthesiologist, and professor at Stanford University Medical Center. And he is the author of the new book, Gain Without Pain, Gain, G-A-I-N, without pain. The happiness handbook for healthcare professionals. He's here to talk about the impact of burnout in the medical field and how to mitigate it with his four pillars of gain. It's a pleasure to have you here on our show, Dr. Hammer. Very nice to be with you, Suzanne. So can you please define what burnout means? Burnout means and why is it on such a rise amongst healthcare professionals? Sure. Burnout is really a syndrome characterized by a lack of patience, uh, anxiety, anger. Um, I think we've all experienced it at certain times, whether it's being burnt out as a parent uh, or at our place of work. But uh, it involves depersonalization, often depression, and uh, a lack of satisfaction with our job, and it's on the rise or has been on the rise in the medical profession for a number of reasons. They include increased pressure on on physicians and other medical providers uh, to meet up to standards that are imposed on us by administrators and other leadership, and lots of scrutiny over uh, our efficiency and efficacy as providers. Sometimes uh, we're subject to patient satisfaction surveys, and patients are unhappy for issues over for issues over which we have no control. So the administration is telling us to see more patients every hour, for example, in the clinic. That results in people having to wait longer periods of time in the waiting room and spending less time with us face to face. And so they're unhappy, and their patient satisfaction surveys are filled out accordingly, and then the administrators look to us to change that. But so we have a loss of control over our practice. Another driver to burnout is the electronic medical record, which is really a double-edged sword. It's a, I liken it to the agricultural revolution 12,000 years ago where we were hunters and gatherers and, and somebody had the great idea to build a home in which we would stay around the year and plant a 
field, and this would be uh, provide us with a lot of security and, and safety. And of course, uh, in the hunter gatherer era, we spent most of our time with our families. And in the post agricultural revolution period, our workday was 15 or 16 hours, and we were subject to all kinds of conditions we couldn't control. So, a double edged sword obviously represented great advances, but this could be likened to the electronic medical record, which has certainly got a lot of key advantages, but it also adds to our administrative burden. Uh, physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians' assistants are charting after work and often taking work home. Uh, when we get stuck with the software, we're kind of come to a halt. So there are a lot of factors out of our control that are putting pressure on us as providers. And this is contributing to burnout in which we are uh, really at a state of diminished resilience. So that's really my interest is uh, helping physicians and other healthcare providers increase their resilience. Of course, we have to work together to try to change some of those other factors, but I think for the most part, they're here to stay. Focus on our resilience and help to accept and deal with these issues. Mm. I, you know, I've been in practice for over 30 years. How long have you been in practice, Dr. Hammer? I have been in practice since uh, 1988. Wow. Just about as much. I started in 1989. So you and I have been on, on, you know, working for many, many years. And I will say that um, when I was, I actually tried the electronic, um, you know, uh, charting and all that. And I I gave up. I gave up because exactly what Uh you said. I gave up and I said, you know, I don't know, really, th- this was a, f- a couple of years ago. And I said, I'm just going to do my usual handwritten because I can't, I can't deal with the stress. I mean, that's exactly what happened to me. And, and, um, and it sounds to me that you guys are all doing the same thing. We all are, we all are having trouble with this. So, um, you yeah, know, it's one of the yeah. drivers for sure. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine it brought so much stress in my life. Um, I was even, you know, going to hire just someone so I can just dictate so that they can do it all, right? (laughs) Because it was just too much stress on me. Um, Anyway, you know, the the thing that we think about when it comes to, I was thinking about your, uh, your, the name of your, your book, uh, about gain, you know, gain and pain. And, and, you know, there's, there's that saying, the myth of no pain, no gain. And do you believe that's true? I don't believe that's true. Uh, perhaps to some degree outside of exercise and getting ourselves in shape for a particular sport, but no, in general, uh, we should not experience pain, uh, in our daily lives in order to progress. So, especially as an anesthesiologist, uh, we try to stomp out pain. I don't think that pain is a requisite part of our life. And that's why I found the uh, acronym GAIN and without pain, particularly apropos. So GAIN is a acronym for gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. And I think those are the four pillars of happiness and resilience and will help us kind of let go of painful thoughts and experiences. Right. How did you get to the the acronym acronym GAIN? What made you really dive into wanting to share this information? That's a good question. I 
started, uh, I've been a meditator for years and I started teaching meditation to my trainees and uh, it sort of caught on and, and before I knew it, I was giving talks on wellness and being present to larger and larger audiences around the U.S. and then around the world. And I think over time, it just occurred to me that these elements were essential ingredients. And when I heard other people talk about resilience and happiness, gratitude is certainly first and foremost. I, I'm certainly not the first person to emphasize the importance of being grateful. And even in this day when we're in this horrible pandemic, for most of us, things could be much worse. And I, I would refer people to the flu epidemic of 1918 when there was no way to be connected with people outside of our homes. Uh, there was no social media, obviously, and many things were clearly much more difficult than they are now for us as we shelter in place. So we can be grateful, first and foremost, that our conditions are substantially better than they might be. Acceptance, um, as the serenity prayer would have it, that we need to discern between things we can change and things that we can't change, is also kind of central to most religions and philosophies of living. So that just uh, occurred to me as something that should be incorporated into our daily contemplation. Intention is another one that uh, we need to be purposeful about the way we live our lives. And John Kabat-Zinn, who started the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program 30 or 35 years ago, defined mindfulness as including living on purpose right now, um, being present, and it takes intention or purposefulness. So I think that's another essential ingredient. And the last part of gain is non-judgment, and it occurred to me how much energy we spend having constant stream of judgments going through our minds, and the neural connections are just constantly firing in this loop of comparing A to B or comparing one person to another to myself. And if we can just let go of these judgments and just see the world as it is, we didn't create it, we're not going to change it substantially, we're not going to fix it, just accept it exactly as it is. And as I kind of contemplated those four elements, it just seemed to me that they pretty much circumscribed the totality of what we need to focus on in order to be happier and more resilient. Um, yeah, I'd like to ask you a question about that judgment aspect. Um <clears throat> now, 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 everyone has their own opinion about everything, obviously, and um, and people are scared. Uh, what, in your take, why is, do you think it's so important for people to have be so opinionated um, and be judgmental? Why is it so important for people to be judgmental? Yes, I mean, why is it that they... The, the right away, um, and I see this with everyone, you know, um, and, yes. you know, their need to be uh, judgmental about the situation or whatever. It's, it's much more than, much more, I, I see it much more than it used to be because of the state of crisis. Absolutely. Well, I, I think it's, uh, first of all, true that we have a negativity bias. So we tend to see things and hold on to thoughts that are negative and forget about things that are positive. And because of that, I think partly we compare ourselves to others just to try to bolster our own egos. And we can let go of that, I think, and, and focus on what's really important. And we're not, we should not be dependent on 
judging others in order to establish in our own minds uh, who we are. And ironically, we judge ourselves the most harshly. So I think this is the most difficult thing for people when it comes to being non-judgmental is to treat ourselves as we would treat a close friend and, and not judge ourselves so harshly. This is certainly a key ingredient to burnout and unhappiness. So, yes, I think that our minds are judgmental just by our nature, and we have to be purposeful or intentional if we're going to change the way we think. But the good news is that our brains are plastic, even as adults. Some people think, well, we can't really change after we're 30 years old. That's actually not true. There are a lot of data that support that. We can intentionally change the way we think. And a good example of that is in terms of thinking in a more positive way and being happier, there's a program at Duke called Three Good Things. I don't know if you've heard of it, Suzanne, but basically uh, it's a pledge to think of three positive things that happen during the day before we go to sleep at night. And this is non-time consuming. We can think about these three things when we're turning down the bed or putting on our pajamas or whatever we're doing. And the fact is, normally, when we take stock of our day at the end of the day, we, we tend to think of the negative things. So this program simply is based on reorienting our thought process. Think of three positive things before we go to sleep. So tonight, I will think of the wonderful cup of coffee I had while listening to NPR. I'll think, Suzanne, about our conversation happening right now. And I'm sure there will be other positive things for me to reflect upon this evening. And this simple practice of thinking of three good things at bedtime makes us happier and improves the quality of our sleep. And that's been demonstrated by this study ongoing at Duke where people take quality of life surveys before, during, and after this program. And it actually has long-lasting effects. So this is a good example of how we can, through intention, start to rewire our brains in order to think more positively. Mm, I really love that exercise. I'm going to definitely implement that. I definitely work with gratitude. I mean, just in general, gain is something that intuitively I, I've, I've, you know, lived with wanting to see the good parts rather than the negative, um, you know, being very accepting of, of it's really about um, just just allowing. It's just a law of allowing to me is what I think about when it comes to acceptance. And then being clear of what you want and what your intention is for whether you, the words that you use, how your actions, how you are with your community, all of that so matters in the direction in creating your destiny. And being non-judgmental, of course, that to me, you're absolutely right. I think I can be my worst worst enemy to my own self. And um, it helps by not doing that to myself so that I don't project that out. The one thing that um, I know, you know, about gratitude is, I mean, I was just talking to my patient yesterday and uh, I'm pretty busy just helping everyone on the phone because I, I have a a um, telemedicine, telehealth practice, and it's been that way for a while now. But the one thing that I'm noticing and we're sharing about is how much we are in such gratitude that we're now eating together, just eating one meal at least together now that we're um, within our own homes and quarantine, and how important that really 
um, is for everyone and how it's been so supportive and loving for the family to really come back. You mentioned about, about the hunter-gatherer time, you know, a thousand of years ago. Well, boy, are we doing something like that right now? And it's really working. Yeah, so I think even those of us who live alone, we may be physically isolated, but we're not socially isolated or we don't need to be. So, again, we can be grateful that we have FaceTime and Skype and Zoom and we can stay in touch with family members who live elsewhere. And so many things in terms of positive elements of technology that can help us connect with the people that we care about anywhere in the world, honestly. So, yes, I think uh, technology definitely has its positive elements, and we need to stay connected. It's, it's fundamentally important to us, and I think we can be very grateful for our friends and family at this time. That's right. You're absolutely right. In fact, um, my, my friends and I were, do, were doing a, a Saturday Night Fever Less dance party <laughs> this weekend, um, and literally... Hundreds and thousands of us are going to get together online and dance the night away Saturday night. And uh, we can only do that because we have that technology, which is awesome. You described those four steps and how to really develop personal resilience and happiness. I really believe that this is not just for healthcare providers. I know your book is centered for them uh, because of your background, but I really think this is for everyone across the world who couldn't all use this gain, um, you know, gratitude, acceptance, uh, intention, and non-judgmental, being non-judgmental. The one thing that I do know is that I've done some research also on the other aspect. Um, You know, there's a lot of of, uh, more violence, possibly more violence going on in the family uh, because you're in close quarters, uh, child abuse, sexual abuse, um, and even uh, within within um, the realms of suicide. So I'd like to ask you about the suicide rate for you know physicians and nurses and in the medical field, dentists. Um, you know, it is definitely greater than the general population. Why do you believe that's the case? And is it, and is it from the burnout or is, is it more than burnout? Because I know that there's more alcoholism and possibly drug abuse, et cetera. Yes, that's a good point. There are more than one physician suicide per day in the United States. I don't know exactly what the rates are for dentists and nurses, but I'm sure they're also, or at least I think it's likely they're higher than the general population. And yes, I think all of the drivers of burnout that cause us to feel isolated, uh, loss of control over our practice and our lives, working long hours, of course, working longer hours, taking more work home, all these things come to bear on making us feel fatigued and frustrated and these things can lead to depression and therefore all the more important to have a practice by virtue of which we can bring ourselves to the present moment. And that's the reason that I started teaching this game meditation and the reason that I wrote the book. There is a follow-up book coming up, which is called gain without pain, your happiness handbook, which is, for everyone outside of healthcare, but I think that people could read the first book as well, even if they're not in healthcare. But when I talk to my trainees about what 
made them feel present and, and really unburdened and able to relax. They bring up things like going to yoga class and working out and running, and then they tell me they don't have time to do those things. So I devised just a three-minute game meditation and started teaching them that. And I think if we get up in the morning and do our hygiene and then find a comfortable place to sit just quietly for three minutes, so set our intention the night before for this practice, set our alarms three minutes earlier than we would have otherwise. That gets us thinking about it. We can do three good things at the same time. We get up in the morning and we find a comfortable, quiet place to sit. I think the reason that a lot of people have abandoned meditation who have tried it is that they're led to believe that they have to sit without moving, possibly in an uncomfortable position, can't scratch themselves if they have an itch, and should not have any thoughts in their head while they're meditating. And I think a lot of people take too big of a bite and they give up because they feel that they failed and they can't do it. This meditation, the game meditation, is a contemplative practice. So it's okay to have thoughts. The idea is to focus our thoughts on these four elements sequentially. So I start with uh, just a little breathing exercise, breathing in, focusing our attention on the breath coming in our nose and out our nose or mouth, and taking an in-breath to a count of three, pausing for a count of two, and then effortlessly exhaling to a count of four, slowing our breath down. That actually decreases the adrenaline in our bodies, lowers our heart rate and blood pressure, and gets us into this rhythm where we're really present. And then sequentially going through a, a brief contemplation of gratitude, that for which we're so appreciative in our lives, and then moving to acceptance where we perhaps focus on a painful experience and open our hearts to it. Don't resist it, but let it in. And we often realize there's really nothing there to be afraid of or for which to be anxious about. Then we move to our intention. We might focus on three good things. We bring our breath back into focus to be present. Our intention is to be in the present moment and not dwell on the past and the future where we have shame and regret in the past and fear and anxiety in the future, bring our intention, focusing on the present moment, and then contemplating non-judgment. So we can think of examples where we judge ourselves, for example, and then we picture just letting go of that judgment and, and, and breathing in and breathing out the judgment and just letting go of it. I like how you said you allow a certain condition, and really peace and happiness are our true nature and what we need to do is just let go of the things that veil that and allow ourselves to sink into this condition of being present and happier. And then we can slowly open our eyes and we're ready to start the day. And I think, Sudan, it's really important to set our intention on continuing the practice of gain during the day. So we may pick one element, say, today I'm going to be grateful. So Periodically during the day, we just remind ourselves how fortunate we are. And I think as we do this for a longer and longer period of time, much like three good things, it becomes really second nature to us. And and we find that we're more grateful, we're more accepting, we're more purposeful, and we're less judgmental over time. So baby steps, that's how we learn. It's very small steps, but repeated frequently, in this case, on a daily basis. Mm. 
I think everyone have, we all have three minutes to do this, gain practice. And I know, like you said earlier, uh, Dr. Amman, people are afraid of the word meditation. I, I, I think that um, I, I basically, for me, I just go into nature. And in nature, I first thing I do is go outside and I get that sun on my body. If it's not sunny, I still go out anyway, just so that I, um, you know, and that's where I think thanks source of being able to work another day, be present another day and all that. And, but to me, that's my meditation, you know? So I, I think just like you said, you don't have to be still and being oming, uh, with, with, um, nothing in your mind. I think, uh, you're absolutely right. In three minutes, we can do so much, isn't it? That's three minutes of, of really, um, creating your, your day, so that it be you you have the maximum amount of potential of what you can do and be. Yes, I think when you go for a walk in the woods or along the beach, these elements of gain just sort of naturally come to us. I think that gratitude just is a natural thought process when you're in the midst of such great beauty, these tall trees or the breeze over the ocean and listening to the waves. It brings us to a place of gratitude. And it also brings us to accept the conditions of our life because we know these trees that are hundreds of years old, for example, if you're walking through a redwood forest, they don't suffer the uh, adverse negativity bias that we do, and they don't care about our troubles. And in fact, it, it sort of leads us to a deeper understanding of who we are when we connect with nature. It brings us to the present moment. So I, I, I think that you're you're absolutely right. I do think, though, that the three-minute meditation practice in the morning, along with going out in nature and doing all the other things, sharing love with our friends and family and so on, uh, they go together very well. So I, I would encourage all of us to adopt a practice like this, and it, it will simply augment those positive experiences that we have during the day in terms of connection with other people and the world around us. Well said. Thank you so much, Dr. Hammer. Gosh, I, I want to stay on longer, but we've got to get off now. But I'd like to ask you, where can people find out more about you, your work, and about your book, Gain Without Pain? Uh, I do have a website. Uh, it's just really up and running now. So uh, there is some content. There will be more over time. The website is Greg. G-R-E-G, Hammer, H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D, one word, lowercase, greghammermd.com. And there will be, over time, links to conversations like this one and uh, information about how to get in touch and uh, also information about the books, which are forthcoming. And and proceeds from the book will be donated to the COVID-19 relief effort as well. But greghammer.com is my website. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Hammer. So appreciate you being our, our guest. This is just perfect timing for everything, what we're all going through. I so appreciate it. Uh, gain without pain. 
Oh, you bet. You bet. Gain Without Pain, The Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals by Dr. Greg Hammer. I really believe that everyone and anyone can really use this. Uh, It's so valuable. So much information within that book. Um, different steps that teaches you how to be able to get, you know, relief, relief of the anxiety, the fear, the burnout that we're all going through right now. And, um, and listen, you know, share the show, share with, share the show with your loved ones. It really can be, it can help change, change our life for the better. And please subscribe if you haven't already, so we can continue to do our very best here on Wellness for Life. If you need help in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations, and my contact info is available on my drsuzanne.com website. All of Dr. Hammer's information will be also posted on our radio show page. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.